I'll be reading from Jeremiah 31, verses 7 through 9. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor. Together, a great company, they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Thank you. It's amazing how in the last 18 months, there are certain parts of scripture that have all of a sudden start to, started to have a new meaning. <laughs> and you feel like something that experience that felt so far and so remote when you've been, after you've been reading it your whole life, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I actually think I know what that feels like. Today's scripture is the, the telling, the foretelling of a homecoming, of returning to a place and seeing people that you hadn't seen in a long time. And I don't know about you, but I've seen a few videos online of parents and children who hadn't seen each other in 18 months being reunited. And you can't help but cry as you hear the cries of joy and the, the tears and, and the smiles after being able to hug and not having been able to hug for so long. There's a beauty in coming home after longing for home. And that's what this text invites us to, is to be that homecoming for each other, to witness each other's lives. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give thanks for the gift of walking this life for others, that our journey is not one that is meant to be done alone, but for the gift of accompanying each other. And this morning, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jeremiah, as a prophet, um, was, was living in a time where he was, he was seeing what was coming. He was seeing that the people... His people, the Jewish people, were going to be exiled, taken over and exiled out of their land. And he saw it coming, and he warned them all that it was coming, and it still came. And then he was left with the job of, of grieving the fact that it had happened, that he was in exile and, and watching his friends and his family and his country folks go off into exile. Jeremiah was someone who was living in between the, what he was hearing and seeing 
from God and in the world and living also with the experience of the people that he was with. Abraham John, John um, Heschel said, Jeremiah was constantly exposed to the situation of God. I love that. <laughs> Everything got about God is having a situation. Jeremiah was constantly exposed to the situation of God and tirelessly attentive to the mood of the people situation of God and the mood of the people, offering boldly the call, the challenge, and the warning, attempting to unravel the knots in the relationship between God and Israel. Isn't that a beautiful way to describe the text, the task of a prophet to attempting to unravel the knots between God and people? Jeremiah is an empathic prophet. He feels everything really deeply. And so as he prophesies and he witnesses this takeover of Jerusalem, these verses come into this section in, these, in this long, long book in the Bible. And this section is called the Book of Comfort. It's a time where Jeremiah puts out his vision and says, I know it's hard now, but it will get better. Things will change. There will be a homecoming and a return. What caught my attention in this text that Barb just read for us this week was that the homecoming is not for the strongest ones. The homecoming is not for those who have it all together. Homecoming is for those who we would consider to be weak. It says the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, Together, a great company, they shall return here. With weeping, they shall come. And with consolations, I will draw them back. You don't have to have it all together to come back. And in fact, it is those who are most vulnerable who are returning into the city in this vision of Jeremiah. And if we're honest, all of us, I think, in our society and in our world are a little broken and a little vulnerable right now. And so there's this invitation to welcome, to, of welcome, to come back, to see and find each other, to allow God and allow each other to console us, to walk by the brooks of water and get your feet under you. And in that, we give witness to each other. We keep mining the metaphor of what it means when we say for our mission statement that we're a base camp building a more loving world. There's a lot of things that happen at a base camp. My first thought is always, it's a place you go to get ready. You know, you get all your equipment on and you talk to each other about what trails you're going to be going and what your map is and looking at the weather and when do you leave and, and you get some food and some sustenance. And that's one of my hopes is that this place is a base camp for all of us to find what we need for the journeys that we're taking. But a base camp is also the place you come back to after you summit the mountain after you've been on your journey. It's a place where there's 
there's tape to tape up you know, your, your feet and bandages and there's a hot meal and there's a warm tent and there's dry, a dry place to sleep. And so a base camp is also a place in which we return. Just like Jeremiah was envisioning people returning to Jerusalem. And as we emerge in the coming months, I, we can't say this is over. We're just in it. We're in it in a different way than we were six months ago, thankfully. We don't know where we'll be in another six months. But as we emerge from this exile of these last few months, we need not just us in this room, but this world needs base camps to return to. To ask, how have you changed? How have you grown? How were you wounded? Where are you still healing and, and shoring up strength? We need to be witness to, and we need to witness. Witnessing is such a powerful word to me. And, and one thing that really drives me to think about my role in this world and, and what I'm called to do. When I think about what it means to witness, I think about the trips that I've taken to Burundi in East Africa to visit the Batwa people who are an indigenous group of people. And when you arrive, in fact, the first time I arrived in a Batwa village in 2015, we were down below, the village was up on the hill. And as we got out of the car, we could hear this singing coming down, streaming down the hill towards us. And we were greeted on this pathway with, from, with people we didn't know. And they were singing and they were dancing and they led us back up to the hill uh, where their village was and, and found a place for us to sit. And we spoke and we met each other and we exchanged greetings and we listened to what was going on for them. And then we danced together. Now, this is very intimidating to all but the most extroverted Americans, I would say. And it's very intimidating to me, who did not grow up dancing and don't feel like I'm a confident dancer. But what I quickly learned in all of my recurring trips to Burundi has been the way to dance is to watch what the Burundian person in front of me is doing and do the exact same thing. <laughs> And in fact, that's actually what the dancing is supposed to be, is that I look at the moves you're making and I make the same moves in return. So I don't have to think about, do I look cool or what am I gonna do next? Or have I been doing the same move for the last 10 minutes? I just keep watching the person in front of me and, and you look them in the eyes and you witness them and you mirror them and together you begin to dance. I hope all of you can visit with me sometime and have this experience because it is one of the most life changing. You see Ginger nodding her head in the back because she's done this with me. You witness them and they witness you and from two very polar opposite places in the world and experiences, you're able to have this moment of truly seeing each other and being together. And I should say that that witnessing for me has, was, um, has led to communities that I've been a part of matching their communities, helping them grow their own food, send kids to school, beginning to, to learn how to, to produce their own 
sustenance and way of life. And so in that witnessing, in that dancing, in that seeing begins to come healing and transformation. We need to be, to be witnessed and we need to witness. Sometimes as a pastor, I feel so overwhelmed by the amount of things that are happening and in everyone's life and, and feel so powerless to be able to do anything about it. And when I get to that place, the word witness is the thing that comes back to me. My job is not to fix everyone's life. My job is simply to see and to witness others' lives. This is what the deacons do. I remember Lyle Weaver going over at least once a month over to the Sequoias and taking Jay Dom on a walk around the buildings. Jay couldn't offer much in the way of conversation, but she loved to get outside. She loved to see the gardens. And Lyle's gift to her was to just simply witness with her by walking alongside of her. Whether it's a phone call or it's a meal, these are forms of seeing and responding that don't seem that important until you're the one that is receiving it. The other day, I was able to, um, to go over and do a unique pastoral call, which is to one of the former pastors here at Valley. Um, Cheryl had had her hip replaced, and um, she was staying across the street from me, and I had some extra banana cream pie. So I made my first... <laughs> pastoral call in my pajamas, bringing a banana cream pie. And she wrote back and she said it meant so much because I think this is like the only, the second pastoral call she had received. And so we all need to be pastored and visited and seen and heard. This is what happens in prayer. We, we witness what we see in the world before God. We see each other in the presence of God. This is what parents do. And this week, as uh, Cindy posted a beautiful post of Carly's smile, and she said, we will commit to this smile wherever we go. And to commit to that smile is to commit to witnessing Carly's life as she grows. And we commit to witnessing Carly's life. This is what, really what we do for each other in friendship. And on Saturday, I have a big birthday. I'm turning 50 this week. And the strongest emotion that I have as I come to this milestone is gratitude for the friendships that I have had, for the companionship, for the gift of witnessing others and being witnessed to in my life. David White, the poet, says this, the ultimate touchstone of friendship is not improvement, neither of the other nor of the self. The ultimate touchstone is witness. The privilege of having been seen by someone and the equal privilege of being granted the sight of the essence of another, to have walked with them and to have believed in them, and sometimes just to have accompanied them for however brief a span on a journey impossible to accomplish alone. There's a lot of ways to look at the life of Jesus, what it means for God to be here as man. But I think this witness is one of those ways that God came to witness our life, our world, to stand as a witness with us and for us. 
And this is what we in turn offer to the world in the way of Jesus. And so I invite you to consider this week, who can you offer witness to? Could be some big thing like the, the, the situation of Palestinians. It can just be noticing those who are in need of a call or someone who comes to mind and, and you make a connection and notice what becomes possible, what changes in the world when you see another person. Notice what arises in you and the ways you're called to take action after you have witnessed another. I think this is the way things change. I think this is what we all need as we come home, whatever that's going to mean in the next few months. This is what it means to open our arms and to love each other and love the world and receive love ourselves. Amen. So in the next few moments, I invite you to give to this witness, to this base camp. Um, there's invitations to give online, ways to, and also in your bulletin, and to leave a gift as you leave, if you'd like, in the offering plate in the back, and our choir will come and sing for us.